from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the second episode of From the Trenches for this week. I'm David Boyd from SQL CFO. Joined with me is Paul Meisner from Freedom Mentoring and Five Ways Group. This is our new fandangled format where we've split out our in-depth topic because we just have so much to talk about. We don't want to put it all in one show. So Paul thinks this is better for you. I do. Thank you, listeners. Hello. I've always wanted to break out the in-depth topic because I think there's a lot of juice there. And I think sometimes uh, hiding it, having it at the back of the best and worst on ground means that it is hidden in an episode. And when we put it on socials and stuff, we want to get conversations going around that content. I think it would be better having it in a separate episode. Please give us your feedback, comment, like, otherwise uh, tell us the good or bad. But uh, so today, today, David, I, I got a, quite a personal story for the in-depth topic. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to start this new format breaking this out because I think it's a really important thing that accountants, be they big firms, small firms, uh, and this certainly is an issue that that resonates uh, or that happens globally. What we're talking about is um, fraud and the role of, an, of, of the accountant. I had a phone call from a client, one of my main clients, one of my major clients the other day, David, uh, and the business owner called me quite – he was quite uh, agitated, I guess, and he sort of said that he told me that the bookkeeper, the internal accountant, uh, internal bookkeeper that had worked for them for, well, the best part of, I think, uh, six or seven years, um, she'd been a part of their business and had all the passwords to their bank and did all of the payments and that kind of stuff, had turned herself into police uh, for taking, uh, illegally, uh, clearly, 700000 from the business that she was working with also while she was working with my client and then went on to be their full-time person and hadn't worked with with my client for, for quite a while. The relationship with this bookkeeper and between this bookkeeper and my client had been prior to me picking them up as a client and uh, and did carry on. Did you say 700,000? Uh, yeah, she'd taken 700,000 from the other uh, from the other business. The other business is quite a big group. Well known if you were walking around, uh, so I don't, I don't want to say the name clearly, and uh, and that. So I want to keep details to a limit. But but David, this this really threw me because what I want to do is is I I had to reflect and I did reflect on what was my role. I, I felt I felt a little bit guilty. Um, I, I had I had in the month prior to hearing this news, we had been through. The client challenged themselves and challenged me in a way of where did my money go? Um, you know, we feel like the business is making a lot more than we we think it has, and and I did quite a lot of work with them uh, in that adv- advisory space. So I guess I have to say now that I'm not just compliance. I do do advisory as Yay. well. I know, I know, I've moved. Not um, not sure if we're going to let you into the club though. No, I know. Fair enough too. But we'd just been through that. So, we, you know, we knew money was tight and then this comes up. It just it makes you reevaluate. made me reevaluate. made the client reevaluate that. And, and, and look, I was, I was shocked. I, was, I just couldn't speak, which for people know that's quite rare. A bookkeeper committing a $700,000 fraud is newsworthy, Paul. They did, and they didn't do that off my client. I, let, let me be clear. And it, oh, it, it actually matter. turns a out that... A $700,000 yep. fraud from a trusted person usually makes headlines. Have I seen this in the press? Well, no, because there is – well, this only happened a few weeks back. So I presume the – From the, the trenches exclusive. Well, it will be. Well, if what we, would the headline be if this was on Accountants Daily? 
I can't. I can't. I won't challenge the masters of clickbait, David. I'm going to come up with a clickbaity book. Well, I don't think she was a re- sacked for 700. Well, I don't fraud. think she was a registered accountant. So frankly, it probably won't make news because it's not anti. But here's the, anyway, here's the question wanna... we want to ask: We advise clients. You more from a compliance point of view. You're doing advisory. Me as the virtual CFO point of view. To what extent are we responsible for detecting, advising, helping? I'm not even sure. We don't even really know where the question is here. To what extent should we be involved? I came up with three questions, David, and this as I as I reflected on it, and 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 then did you put put this in the planner? I did put this in the planner. He's he's closed his he's closed his computer. Given up. But sunset. So I've I've broken this. This is the three area. This is the three areas I reflected on. And David, as a virtual CFO, you you sit closer on the transactional side than I do. Yeah. I had to reflect on three different areas, and these are the three areas I want to discuss. What is the accountant's role? My role in finding the fraud, and I'm talking about at a transactional level, detecting that it happened, which I think, which I want to get into. The second is, uh, uh, what is the accountant's role in preventing it? So in looking forward, in in understanding the, the business risk, talking the client through where the risks are and sort of helping them mitigate those risks or, or identify where they could possibly happen. And the third is um, reflecting on the personal cost, both for the client uh, and must and 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 us as the accountant. I, I took it. I took it quite badly. I, I found out actually just as recently as I think today or yesterday that that it may not have turned out that she took any money from my client. So we we may have dodged a bullet there, but but certainly we did reflect on that. So I want to break out those three so, roles, and I want to I want to get your take on those three as well. Well, so let's start with the first question. You know, is there more of an emphasis on a virtual CFO or the or an accountant doing advisory work to detect this than a traditional compliance one? I want to reframe that question a little bit because you said because you're more close to the transactions. I think that the emphasis is there because we're more closer to the risk. So because we're more operationally involved in a business, we are more aware and alert about risks that transcend and, and within accounting um, – Financial risk often exists at transactions. Operation, the, the operational part of accounting is the transactions. So, but I think it's the overall risk of the business. Depending on the nature of the scope of your engagement, yes, being able to assess, mitigate and plan for risk could form part of a virtual CFO engagement. And certainly for some of our bigger clients, that is what we do. Um, whether it form, you know, just for a lot of clients are saying, hey, we need a risk register. For a lot of clients, it's saying, hey, we're going to review these processes because we think we're, that, that there are risks there. And usually sometimes you do this just because you're the corporate mind in the room. You're not necessarily the expert. Yeah. So often it's, okay, we've got this, let, we, need, we need to go get experts to and solve we're going this. To talk about the, I want to talk about the business risk side because I think that's probably a stronger role there. I'm just talking about this. is, And this isn't my question. Like basically, so I, but to be yeah. direct, yes, I think that a virtual CFO often reviews the, the function of the accounting team and should be on top of the internal controls that would detect this. Now, more often than not, these frauds that happen are because the bookkeeper has uh, value and approval transactions on a Oh, clearly. And, and, that and is the and that's, number one. And the smaller one. the business, the, the least the, number of... 100%. You actually can't mitigate that. So that is you've just got to trust the That person. is the number one thing. You also have, if you're in a cloud-based and app-based business, you, you are able to build in internal controls easier because of permissions. You're, you're able to see it easier. Yeah. And, and actually, well, I, no, I spoke with another with, client of mine who no, is... With, with is, permissions, you can control it better. You can reduce access to certain things for certain people. You also have more access... Remotely, I, yeah. I guess my question here, and this is the thing for, for listeners, and, and if listeners, if you're listening, and, and feel free, reach out all of the social channels. 
doing an annual set of returns, whether or not we should be, you know, whether you're doing quarterly bass or annual return, really your role is to get, our role is to get in and to, I'm looking at the transactions with a very tax hat on. I'll, I'll be honest about that. That's what I'm paid to do. And we should explore what is expected of us. And yes, while I do, obviously transactions jump out, major purchases, whatever. But really, I'm looking through a filter of, of, of a real taxation sense. I have my head well and truly in the profit and loss very lightly in the balance sheet, which is, you know, we know that the balance sheet in the receivables and in that kind of thing is where a lot of the, the fraud happens. Um what is what is the compliance accountant's role? So, you know, do, do do I mean if, clearly if I see it, I know what I'm looking for. But but I'm not going I'm not going through it with that lens. Do I have to? Well, I, I mean, I can't answer what the role is, but let's look at what you do through the lens of your client. And the lens that we all think that they have, and all the research supports this, are that we're the trusted advisor. I think it's hard to to bandy about the trusted advisor, and like every accountant has the word trust on their website. Not every. It would be one of the more common ones. Hmm. I think it's hard to say that you're Proactive trusted. Proactive being the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do things different is the new thing as well, by the way. Oh, yeah. How many everyone's people different. do everyone's different? I'm not yeah. doing it. Too. The, uh, the, I think it's hard to say that you're the trusted advisor and then wipe your hands when something, when a fraud's committed, especially if it's because of something as simple as giving value transaction access to the bookkeeper. Look, but, but, because from the client's lens, but when you're reviewing systems, like no, the, no, 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 no. But you, no but this question is: I think from the client's lens, I reckon, yeah, you are responsible for it. But you're I my think that comes in, in when we go, we're about to. Talk. I want to talk more in that, and let's bring that up when we talk about the preventing for it. Because assessing business risk and having an honest chat with the, and that's the probably the bit that I think I did the best. What I think I did the worst, not the worst, but my greatest risk, as in not helping my clients, is the level to which I look at the transactions without having an audit. We're not doing an audit, David. You know, no. this, this is the thing. It's like, and I'm not even doing a review. For, I'm doing a review for the purposes of saying, is it complete well, no. in a taxation if, if, if sense? If your clients now come back to you and said, look, she, she just got picked up for defrauding $700,000 as the bookkeeper of another business, I want you to audit my business to see if she's defrauded me. That's, an, that's a project work, right? So then, yes, I, I get it, yeah. because the client specifically asked you for it. But as part of business as usual, I mean, clearly, like it's all hands on deck, right? Everyone rolls well, up their sleeve once you've found it. But, but, but should I have? Like, this is the thing. As part of my, as part of my bass oh. review, as part of my team's annual, you know, do I, you do know, I need to look at every file you, under the guise I've, I've of? I've just had a brainwave. I've just had a brainwave. If you are in the software advisory business, you should be in the internal control business. And I think that's a very and and and. Audit are very strong on that. You know, audit are very yeah. much, well, we won't touch the file until we've assessed the internal controls. This is the other thing. Do compliance accountants have to assess the internal controls? I don't think compliance accountants do, but I think if you have ever recommended an accounting system to somebody, I think that you ought to. I think that is acting in your client's best interest and I don't necessarily think the clients know to ask you that question. Mm. I think it's an interesting question. I'm not sure where I've landed on it yet. Neither I, have I. I'm just, I it's yeah, a conversation. No, no. I, I still think I've got to look at it as a tax lens. I can't overwork every job. But, you know, I certainly think that you could in a way for certain clients charge, especially if they've had a problem. I don't know where the clients will pay for that next level of detecting fraud. I also don't know where I personally would like to sit as a small accounting firm 
putting myself out to clients and saying, I've reviewed your file and I've ticked it off for no fraud. Like I think this is a I don't think anyone would do that without an audit. That's and I think foolish. this is this is one of these things like That's can you foolish. ever can you ever give anything except for negative assurance? It's like no. I haven't found any fraud, yeah. but but I can't say again, that it isn't there. It's interesting because I, I keep talking about this from an internal control point of view, which is very much with a virtual. And we're going on like to that. I want to talk about the internal control. Oh, system. let's go. Right. So this is the so the second one was should I have found transactions that had happened, and what is my role in the in when I do the annual accounts? The next bit, and probably where I I, I feel, especially in this case, and I want to just talk about this in the context of my, of this client story, um, the the physical role I had in in understanding the business risk, so in preventing it, being proactive. There's that bad word again. This is something when I came on, I, I looked at it and I sat down with my client, who were the three directors, and and we we discussed the role of this person, of this of this bookkeeper, and. I did say to the directors, I said, look, that is a big risk. It, not only in the, the intellectual property, um, her knowledge of the business and, and if she left, I did say that any one person who wasn't a director, um, and even that doesn't save you, but who wasn't necessarily invested in the business, wasn't physically located in the business, she was doing it remotely. I said, this is a big risk. You know, you're giving her absolute, she's doing the entry of the invoice, she's doing the payment of the invoice and she's receiving the payment and she's doing the bookkeeping. I said, end to end, this is a massive risk. And the, the three directors looked me square in the eye and said, we absolutely trust them. And when I got in there, I did do some, I looked at all of the the, the big ticket items. I looked for um, overuse of credit notes. I looked for overuse avoiding transactions. Yeah, I, I did search and I have had clients who have gone th- through this in the past where somebody has changed the bank details on an invoice template to be their personal well, account. a company that's advertised on our show previously, Fshore, would have detected that. Absolutely, and 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 we should we you know we will I think do an episode with them and look at how to detect fraud. In fact, I think that's an important that's episode as well. Idea. But we look, I did that, and that was one of the things that I I probably when I reflected on it, I was I was proud that I had that conversation with them. I don't know whether previously or or other compliance accountants, you know, that once a year would have would have done that. You know, I felt confident enough to have that conversation with them. But, I, I, you know, I wonder whether then I didn't just tick that off mentally and say I've done that and then, you know, a lot of these things can, so, can develop. Somebody's so, habits, they can pick up a gambling habit and then they can go into that. So this is this where it comes back to a more structured approach to what, what advisory work could be. So what you could have done, whether you're engaged with it or not, because this doesn't take much time, is when you have these conversations, document it, and whether it's the monthly or the quarterly, whenever it is you have the conversation, you can refer back to it and say, has any progress been happened to, ha- happened to and, and, and I think you, your concept of a risk register, David, and I think that's something oh, that... It's a, it's a thing. It's not mine. Well, sorry. Thank you for giving me credit for it. <laughs> that's something I don't do and, and I, I, I would, if I ever had time, you know, if, if ever compliance is going <laughs> to partly disappear, I might be able to have time to replace it. Oh, the, the concept it's simple, of a client... It's a word, though. It's a Google no, sheet. I, it's I not it. a... But, but and also, cool. whether or not I... And this might be something you know. Send out to clients and say, "Here is a here is a template risk register. Here is what you should have in your business." And every time we lodge the tax returns, saying, "Have you revisited it?" I wonder if is this revisited. I wonder if there's something like from CA, like a one or two page on internal oh, controls. You, you mean a professional body to, giving us something, David? Um, is there something you can flick out to clients about? There must be somewhere. Well, they, they, I've been asking for 
tools and resources from a professional body for many, many years now, David, and uh, it's it falls consistently on. I won't say deaf ears because they keep trying to deliver it, but it uh, we keep getting anyway. Love not going down that run. What's the next question? I, so I actually think that's the strongest role because I think that's where I think that's where accountants can add value, even if it's not. It doesn't have to be a song and dance. It doesn't involve buying software, and it's stuff that we are comfortable with. I think having those conversations in a one to one as that trusted advisor relationship. The third one. Uh, is a little bit less tangible. This is just more the personal cost, David, and I, and I think I just wanted to touch on it that, you know, I, I was worried. You know, I when I first heard about it before, we'd really had a chance to look through all of the transactions and say, you know, I was like, wow, you know, if, if there's a bomb in here in these transactions, if there there was. And, and in fact, the, the client, the internal accountant who they'd replaced this person with, um, sent me a transaction list and said, oh, have you seen these transactions? And they were $1,000, $5,000, $5,000, and then a $35,000 transaction over a course of time where this person had was just on the back end of leaving. And I, my heart sank, David. That, and that was when I probably hit it hit me the hardest that there was potentially something there. $40,000. Mm. And, and I had to – it was tangible evidence that I was like, I may have to really – front up and say what was my role. Uh, luckily, from uh, following up with the client, I don't believe they've lost any money. This is where the risk is. Like if you say, where's my role? Like if the client said, yeah, we thought you were doing it, what are you going to do? What, what's the personal cost to the, to the client relationship? Well, no, but, well, to the, that, and that's what worried no, me, whether but, or not that... But if they say, I thought you were doing it, you told me that you were doing A, B, C and D, you end up with an insurance claim. Potentially. I'd go after you. Did, would, I would. Oh, hang on, would I? Would I, if I thought that you were engaged to do something and your behaviour made me think that you were doing it and I had an adverse event, I'd call the lawyer. And I think that's, I'd, and I'd I'd I think that's very true in an audit file. Like I, I think in a compliance relationship where it's getting, lodging it's, the tax it's return. It's not a compliance relationship here because you said you were doing more. Yeah, no, no, you're right. So it's, I, what does the client think of it? Yeah, and, and it comes back. People will be sitting there listening, hopefully, saying, what does your engagement letter say? And it's something that I should... I'm not sure any clients read an engagement letter until after something's happened. I can tell you, ours is a lot in it that's not in the standard engagement letters. Well, maybe that's a... Maybe and, we and need to look at, uh, look at that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> the other thing for me was also I had some... some um, and we've spoken about mental health on this show, David, and I think that is an area for small business. But, you know, I, I did also have to say... I said to my client, how are you doing? You know, I, I didn't go to the point of saying, how does this make you feel? But, you know, how are you guys? Like, you know, where, where are you at with, with processing this? Because this... She was a very... Um, it's a breach of trust. She was a very the money trusted. Bit, but it's a she was a very... She was a very trusted. That was a very strong relationship they had with her. They they relied on her and they kept her on. One of the most famous fraud cases in recent times was the Clive Peters uh, case where the bookkeeper, um, she defrauded, I think, $20 million? Yeah, 20, something like uh, that. Which is insane. And it was a lack of basic controls. Some of the things that, that they picked up on, I think, afterwards, the majority of frauds are committed by people who don't take a lot of annual leave because they don't want to leave the desk yep. where somebody could sit and then find a fraud. More often than not, it ends up in pokies. I think we we were talking about one before where they bought property and actually made it was a, money. There was on a it. bank. It was a bank teller or someone or yeah. a bank. Someone who worked at a bank that actually invested it really wisely and they ended up making more money. I think when they <laughs> found it. But anyway, uh, and it is it, it does come from the people you trust the most. Most break-ins in homes come from people that you know. It's the the police will tell you the same stuff all the time. Um, so look, what do you think? Like, where? What's our responsibility here? I don't think we. You've, I don't think you and I have come up with a hard answer. Yeah, uh, it's a discussion. It, it, it is, but look, uh, what I what I wanted to do was I wanted to to 
raise the issue uh, and get a discussion going on on what and have people think about it. I think accountants globally should think about where they sit with their accountants. We often talk about being the trust advisor. I agree with you. I think this is a stronger area for opportunity than doing a three-way cash flow, to be honest. I think this is stronger than Risk. building a dash building a dashboard. I reckon more Well, it'll depend on what the client wants, but every hundred percent of clients need some sort of but, risk management. But but a hell, a template, an email, a bulk email out to every client saying, you know, this, and, and this is something that I'm going to do and, and perhaps I'll share it with the Freedom Mentoring community um, about the... This is something Change GPS should do. I'm going to tell Tim oh, Munro. Oh, Tim Munro. Let's this get, is all so over let's change. Get, let's see whether he does it. Because I think there's a lot of these things that are quick wins that an accountant can have massive impact on a small business without being, without saying you need to invest... 50 hours of time that we don't have or lose money by investing all this time and not being able to charge for it. I think this is something that could could really help. Listeners, let us know what you think both of that issue. Have you had have you had clients that have gone through fraud? Did you um you know sit yourself down and have a, a think about it? Let us know. Think about your businesses as well while we're at it. Is there risk in your businesses? Interesting. Down note to end it with our usual ending, which is have a great week. Have a great week. Reach out. Oh, reach out. Come to the party. The next, the next episode will be the party episode, David. We will have fun. Uh, look forward to those we we'll see there. Do you know what we're talking there. about at the party? Pardon? Do you know what we're talking about at the party? No idea. We don't do content till the hour before. See uh, you, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter, at PaulMeissner underscore, or on LinkedIn, PaulMeissner. I'm on Twitter, at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.